everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome back to another episode of the By Word Show. Y'all, me and Chelsea, we're struggling over here today, but we made it. We're excited to talk to you through technical difficulties. We're just keeping it real over here, but truly, I'm so excited to have my friend Chelsea Reedlin here with us today. She's amazing what she and her husband, Mark, do with Hope Local, which is an organization in our area. It's just really cool. So she's here today to share her story and talk to us about the foster care system. So Chelsea, before we get started, would you just introduce yourself? Yeah. Thanks for having me on, um, despite my uh, technical ignorance. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm Chelsea Reland. Just had my 40th birthday. So stepping into uh, yeah a new decade of life. Um, Mark and I have been running Hope Local since 2020, um, which, you know, if I would have known in January 2020, what I knew in March 2020, um, I probably would have been a little bit more nervous for us to quit our you know, stable, good paying jobs to take over a nonprofit, but the Lord knew. So we've been doing that since 2020. Um, we have six kids, uh, three of them biological and three are um, adopted out of foster care as teenagers. And then we've had around 17 temporary foster placements come through our home. So, um, we only have three kids in the house right now because some have started school because, um, of course, neighbor kids are here as well. So hopefully um, we will not be interrupted, but, you know, mom life. <laughs> it's all good. Yes, we we know all about the mom life. Keeps it authentic, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you're here today and I'm really excited to talk about your story and what you guys do. So could you kind of just give us the rundown? What, what led you guys into this world? Yeah, absolutely. Um, even as like a pretty young kid, I thought it was crazy that there's kids that don't have a family or that abuse happens to children. And it was just something that always really broke my heart. Um, and then in college, I worked for um, a nonprofit helping run a after-school program for at-risk kids. And so um, that's what I did every day in between classes. Those kids became my kids. So instead of, you know, like partying on Friday nights in college, I was at the middle school volleyball game cheering on my kids. So um, they definitely kept me out of trouble, but... Also, and they're like married with kids now, which is wild. Um, wow. So that kind of even more so, I didn't know a ton about child welfare at that point. They None of them were in actual foster care, um, but definitely some of them, if I was like a reporter then, <laughs> I probably would have had to like report some things. Um, I just didn't know um, any better. So did that. And then my actual degree is in education. And, um, that was kind of my first time about learning about being a reporter. Teachers are actually the number one reporters of child abuse. So mm -hmm. I learned how to report and things like that in my college classes. I was supposed to be unable to have kids, um, at all. I have like lots of hormonal issues and cysts and all those things. We don't need to do TMI. Um, so actually my first date with Mark, um, I talked to him about adoption 
and foster care. Um, he kind of knew if he wanted to hang out with me on Friday nights, we were going to be at the middle school band concert, volleyball, football games. And I switched cars with him all the time because I had like a truck, like a one road truck and he had uh, like an SUV. So I constantly used his car to like pick kids up, to bring them to church or over to my house or whatever. That was just kind of like, if we want to be more than friends, I need you to be okay with this. I cannot have children biologically. So like adoption is kind of the only way for me to be a mom. Still didn't know a ton about foster care at that point, just adoption. Three months after we got married, I was still in college. I got pregnant. Yeah. So that was a shock. Um, Wow. And yeah, Justice (laughs) is about to be 16 and get his license in two weeks. So it was just kind of always in the talks um, of adoption and foster care, um, really from, like, honestly, our first date. So that's kind of what led us into that. And uh, we started the adoption process. Joel, my youngest, um, he's about to be 10, but he was around three at that point. So we thought, let's get a two-year-old. My biological are all boys. So we were going to get a little girl, um, was totally prepared to be a girl mom. And when we got, once we got licensed, it was when we really saw the need for older kids and um, ended up adopting a 17-year-old girl and her 14-year-old biological brother. And um, that's when we started working with Hope Local, um, running some of the initiatives to advocate for older kids in foster care. Wow, that's amazing. And it's just so cool that from the beginning, this has been a part of your heart and your story. Because I know you said in 2020, you wouldn't have even imagined taking on all these roles that you guys have taken on. But it's just really cool to see how God connected the dots for you guys from the very first date. That's so crazy. I had never heard that story. But I love that so much. And it's really amazing work that you guys do. And if I hadn't heard your story or didn't know about Hope Local, I honestly would not be aware of what's happening with kids in our community and the welfare system, foster care system and all of that. And so I think it's really amazing what you guys do, not only for the children, but also making people aware of this issue. So what, what has your experience been not only as a foster care parent, but working in the system and what do you wish people knew about what's going on? Yeah, I wish people knew how prevalent it is um, right here in our community. Um, I honestly, again, had no idea the amount of children that were aging out of foster care and the like probability of their outcomes when they do age out. Um, there's all these big organizations, which I think you're connected with a few for, like sex trafficking. Um, but once I started learning more, it's like 80% of the girls that are trafficked are from foster care or have spent time in foster care. Um, Same with homeless. Like it is Mm. um, very, very common for our kids to age out and end up on the streets. You think about when you're 18, 19 and know everything and your parents are idiots, right? Like we all did. (laughs) And we lose our job or our car breaks down 
and um, we decide maybe we'll call mom or dad and they'll fix our car for us or they'll come give us a ride. And just that prevents homelessness. Um, like that small act of having someone to call and fix your car and pay them back as you get paychecks is a prevention of homelessness. So I wish people could see how mm. common it is and that bringing kids into your home is not the only way to help child welfare. Um, a lot of people immediately like avoid eye contact with me because they're like, oh, she's going to make me take a kid into my home or she's going to talk about all the teenagers. <laughs> and yes, if you want a kid, definitely hit me up. Um, but there's so many ways that you can support <laughs> without bringing kids into your home. Um, one of our main things is this is for everyone. Uh, bringing a child into your home is not for everyone. Um, being a foster parent and adoptive parent is definitely not for everyone. Um, it is extremely challenging. It's for different seasons of life. But there are so many, so many ways to help the vulnerable in our community. And that's, I think, what I wish people could, could know. Mm, yes. And we will definitely get into that because this, <laughs> there's just so much to this. I'm curious though, what was your experience bringing foster children and adopting into your home when you already had biological kids? What was that like for your family in that transition and explaining that to your kids? What has the family dynamic been like through the years? Yeah, I think that's one thing that a lot of people, um, once they have biological children, they do not want to bring specifically older kids into their home because of um, we try to protect our kids, right? We don't want them to see things. We don't want them to watch rated R movies and hear cuss words. And so to bring that into your home is definitely something that is hard. Um, like I said, our daughter was 17 when she, well, she turned 17 the month she moved in and we did a super fun birthday party. She loves Christmas. Her birthday um, is in June, but we did like a Christmas in June and like literally like pulled out the Christmas tree from the Aww. attic and all of her presents were wrapped with Christmas paper, wow. you know, like the whole like peppermint fudge instead of a birthday cake, like the whole deal. <laughs> Um, and yeah, it was challenging. I remember having all these rules and at that point, this is showing my age, but like Power Rangers was the biggest struggle. Like, should Justice be allowed to watch Power Rangers because it's so violent, right? He was, let's see, nine at that point. And then I have my daughter coming in and I walk in and she's watching Criminal Minds. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think we mm. allow criminal minds in our house for our children. And she's like, I've already <laughs> seen them all. And I'm like, well, not in this house. You know, we serve the Lord. And so <laughs> just like figuring out how to one parent a child that hasn't been parented um, or has been parented very differently than how you are already parenting. With our kids, we really talked to them from very young, um, started the conversation at Christmas time. Hey, you know, did y'all know that there's kids that don't have like a mom and dad when they wake up to spend Christmas with, um, like birthdays, just kind of started introducing mm -hmm. the idea of kids without families pretty young. So Justice, this is kind of a funny story. His only thing was he wanted to stay the oldest. Okay, he's nine. So we're like, absolutely. We're getting a little kid. Not a problem. 
So we start going to like they're called match events where um, either kids are there, like the movie Instant Family, which is kind of traumatic um, because then you have to leave them all, you know, (laughs) Um, or just like paper events where there's like a Mm. picture and story of them. And it was all older kids. Um, I think the youngest one was like nine. And I did not understand. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm like, where are all the like cute toddlers that I see on Instagram with their moms, like super trendy, you know, like (laughs) where are these kids? Um, And now I know that those are foster parents that then um, rights were terminated and they're able to adopt the child that's in their home and that they've probably lost multiple children before um, that became an adoption, you know, available child. Um, so then we started just talking about the kids about, Hey, there's a 16 year old girl and her biggest fear, um, which is, is my daughter is, um, being homeless during summer break when the college dorms shut down. Like, what do you think about that? Like, let's pray mm-hmm. for her. And just started talking about real things that were going on with the older kids that we were learning about um, through talking to their caseworkers and praying for the kids together as a family. Um, So by the time we had kind of learned more about Avery, my daughter, um, Justice, the little boys, they didn't really care. They were three and six at that point. They were like building Minecraft rooms with like a bed that would say sister because we didn't know her name, right? <laughs> and like making like Aww. everything there was for brothers and then there was for sister. So he was very much on board with adopting older um, once it came down to it. I know not all families, sometimes their kids are totally against it. Um, but for us, we really just tried to allow the Lord to capture Justice's heart and um, just prayed that, you know, if this is something that he wants for us, that we will have unity um, with it. And kind of the same journey with Justice. He's my firstborn, born, you know, he's protective. He's justice, like the literal term, black and white, no gray. Um, and so for our third adoption, he was very nervous. We had experienced some hard times with our first two adoptions. I remember just praying, Lord, like, I don't, we, this is a family decision. You know, it's not just my son. It would be his brother. Again, the Lord moved in, in justice's heart. And I remember him coming in our room and saying, it's really silly that I don't want to do this because he annoys me when he could have no family like it that's kind of trivial and Mm. I think that we should adopt and we were like okay we'll start the paperwork so definitely my kids heard cuss words way before I wanted them um they saw defiance uh they saw drugs um there was things that entered our home that would have never entered our home if we hadn't fostered or adopted By the grace of God, he's used, you know, what's meant for harm, for blessing. My kids, I don't think we'll ever touch drugs. Lord willing, that doesn't change. They have a heart of compassion that I do not think would have existed without experiencing some of these hard things. 
but yeah, I mean, not ideal of what I had like planned in the path of raising them. Yeah. Well, it's so, I just, I love hearing your story because it really, I mean, it pulls the filter back a little bit on these stories. Cause you even mentioned like all these Instagram moms and it looks like they have these picture perfect stories and it is hard. You're saying yes to a child and you're saying yes to their story and a lot of things. And for those who don't know, I have an adopted sister as well. And she's nine years younger than me and from another country. And I mean, there are real challenges that come, but it's so cool to see that you guys really took on that calling, not just you and Mark as a couple, but your whole family, including your kids in that, because I've heard you tell stories about your sons and the way they are compassionate and the way they don't really know a stranger and everybody's welcome because that's just how you've taught them to look at the world and to love people well. And it's just so cool to see. So I, I would love to know more. And you kind of touched on this in the beginning, but this message that you and Mark have about how this is for everyone. Could you just kind of break that down for us? What does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is for everyone, um, for every believer, I should say. Um, anyone who has experienced unconditional love, it is like our mission, right, to then share that unconditional love. So for every believer, like stepping into the hard, caring for the vulnerable, that is all throughout scripture. You can't really read the Bible without seeing that Jesus cares for the vulnerable around him. Um, so there is so many creative ways to do that. Um, but then there's also some just like organizations that are already set up to help you do that. So um, CASA is a court appointed special advocate. And um, we love CASAs. My daughter's CASA really helped us um, through the adoption process. And actually, she still meets with Avery monthly, which is amazing. Avery is 23 now. Mm-hmm. And so they still have a great relationship. But they're usually someone stable in the child's life. They actually get to speak to the judge on behalf of the children, um, which is a pretty powerful role to have in child welfare. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't have the kids in their home. They see them once a month. And so um, that's one kind of great way, mentoring um, kids in care or kids that have aged out of care is another great way um, to do that. Just means someone to call. You don't have to solve all the problems. You don't have to pay their phone bill. You don't have to have them live with you. Um, but sometimes just having someone to call to vent through or process um, really makes a huge difference. Um, we were able to, this is like a tiny thing. There was a girl going on a trip she had never flown before with her school. She'd saved up the money. She was in like the leadership or whatever, like that get to take these cool field trips. And she was like, I don't have anyone to take me to the airport. And I'm kind of nervous to Uber because like, I don't know like exactly where to go at the airport. And so we're like, we'll take you like that's easy so we've you know picked her up at like 5 a.m and took her walked her in made sure she found her teacher and went home like that was nothing for us but she felt so much security just knowing there was someone there because all the other kids had their moms you know taking pictures and you know all of those things so just to have someone there instead of getting dropped off by an uber supporting foster and adopt families 
This is something huge. Um, one of the things at Hope Local, we, we work with um, churches mm-hmm. to help them do kind of like wraparound communities for every family that takes in a new kid. And this is life-changing. For us, when we had it, um, before we were like, realize what a big deal it was, because I kept saying, no, like my kids are older, like they will help me cook. I don't need you to bring meals. They need to know how to do their own laundry. Um, I just didn't, you know, I just didn't (laughs) know. Um, But we, I had kids at five different schools because I didn't want like the adopted kids to have to ride the bus and my younger kids had never ridden the bus. So for pickup, took over two hours every day um, and drop off to go to the pre-K, the wow. elementary school, the uh, intermediate school, the junior high, and then the high school. And then Mondays were our therapy days. So we went straight from there to therapy. Each of our adopted children, they were still t- in foster care at that point, had an hour session with the therapist which meant we were there for two hours after doing a two-hour pickup ride. So the youngest, who I picked up first, was with me, Mm. you know, four hours through all of this. And so we made the best of it. We did, you know, finished all of our homework while they were in session. But we had our care community offer to bring us meals on Monday. So that meant when I finished – the four hours of everything. When I came home, there was a meal waiting for me. And I mean, that seems so small. It was life-changing for us. Um, Kids wanting to play sports that have never played sports. Uh, Sports are expensive. You'll see when your little dude gets a little older. Um, So we we had another (laughs) family take our son to academy and buy him all the stuff for baseball that he needed to be able to play. Mm. Um, and that's just something that we couldn't have afforded easily. It's finding like foster adult parents that are in your neighborhood, but also at your church. Um, not having fathers is a huge marker in poverty, crime, incarceration. So for our men to step up and step into these kids' lives is huge. Um, And then, of course, bringing kids into your home is also Mm -hmm. amazing um, just because you get so much time with them and you get to speak into their lives a little bit more. So there's really a lot of ways to serve. Yeah, I love that. And the first time I heard you guys talk about this idea that caring for vulnerable children is for everybody, it just opened my eyes and you're so right. I love how you touched on that in the beginning about how all throughout scripture, you can't read it without seeing how Jesus cared for vulnerable children and vulnerable people all around him. And I think sometimes a lot of people shy away because they're like, oh no, I'm not called to adopt. I'm not called to foster. So I don't need to worry about that. There's no responsibility for me here. But the truth is, like you said, there are so many other ways to play a role. So I love that you guys teach that and, and make people aware of that. Cause you're right. It makes such a huge difference. So I'm curious because you mentioned a few things already, as far as homelessness, trafficking, and all the consequences that come from being in the system and all of that, like, like what are the negative consequences that happen to these children when we don't step up and care for them? Yeah. Um, definitely trafficking is a huge one. Um, A lot of times kids that already have behaviors 
um, end up in like treatment facilities. And the goal of the treatment facilities is to help them process through things and provide healing. Um, but a lot of times once they are used to kind of that facility life, um, a lot of them then don't have the skills that they need to function in a life when they're not in a facility. So easily being trafficked, having someone tell you what to do, mm. when to do it, how to do it um, is kind of preparing for trafficking and incarceration. And so being able to step in, even if, if a child is in a facility, we've had to have our children that we've adopted in a facility. We've been very open um, with our story and challenges, but to still have like where mom and dad, the goal is for you to be back home. The goal is healing. We're going to be at every therapy session to process this with you. You are not alone um, in this. Um, that's really the goal of the facilities. It's not to parent the children. It's to provide therapists and healing. So it's still important to have a family, even when that is kind of the need for that child. But yeah, sex trafficking, I think I said already 80% of people that were trafficked um, had spent time in foster care. Um, incarceration mm. is the same thing. Um, I think it's like 89% um, of youth that age out will spend some time wow. um, incarcerated. Uh, this was a stat that blew my mind. Um, when prisons are going into different areas and they're budgeting how many like beds, right, to build for their facility, they actually work with child welfare to see what the approximate amount of kids aging out is going to be. And that is how they budget how many beds for the prison, which is wild to me. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I, I mean, in that meeting, I'm sure my like jaw was on the floor and I'm like, no, this is not okay with me. Um, homelessness is huge. Um, usually within the first year, um, youth that age out have spent some time, um, with homelessness. So those are kind of the main things getting, uh, graduating from high school, graduating from college or attending college is a big thing. Um, kids who age out of foster care actually get free tuition. So you hear that kind of thrown around a lot. Hmm. And um, it's like, oh, then why do less than 3% of them have a college degree? Um, well, working in this now, I was working with a young man. He aged out 18. He had not graduated high school yet. So he had to figure out a way to get, one, wake himself up, get to and from school, get groceries, all of these things, you know, at, at 18. Um, the state does help with that. They have supervised independent living, which is another whole topic that I would love to cover at some point. Um, but you're still independently living. And then he applied for UNT. He got in. I'm like, great. Well, to go to orient, you have to go to orientation before you can register for classes. Well, orientation is $200. And so he's like, I don't have just an extra $200. Mm. Also, how's he going to get to the dorm to move in? How's he going to get stuff for the dorm? So yes, their tuition is paid for, but there's so many steps before you start that first day of class. Um, same with driver's license. Most kids that age out do not have their driver's license 
Um, because, you know, who wants to let a kid drive their mm. car that you don't know? It's scary, right? So that's a small thing, having mentors um, step in and just help kids get their driver's license, drive their car. We have insurance. Like all the kids are, that drive our cars are stressed mm. out. And I'm like, we have insurance. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, be careful. Don't like wreck it on purpose. But so, yeah, the stats are not good for kids without family. Um, it is it is an uphill battle for sure. Mm. So what has it been like for you guys then at Hope Local, just troubleshooting this process and working with all, all these other organizations and you guys work with social workers as well, right? Would you kind of just tell us what you guys do and like the behind the scenes of it It's actually all. called a bridge organization. So we don't offer direct services, so to speak. We don't have like a warehouse of food or clothes or things like that. We are, our main is a bridge between like the church and the state and other organizations. So we get to really partner um, with the state, which have become some of my dearest friends and say, what are your actual needs? Like, do you need a million suitcases do you need Christmas stockings? Like, what do you need? And of course, they're always like families to take in kids. I'm like, okay, well, what else do you need? We're already working on that. <laughs> and they're able to give us like they actually need. And then we're able to go to the churches that we have relationships with and say, this is the need of the state right now. You know, can you help with this? Some of that becomes direct services. We work really closely with DFPS um, for with families that are at risk of losing their kids. And they'll say, look, they just need to get rent. They're about to be evicted or they need formula. Their next formula food stamp stuff doesn't come in for another week. Um, and it's so easy to say, well, they should have budgeted their money, right? But most of these um, women have also spent time in care and they need help not only with the formula, but then mm. coming in and saying, hey, let's walk through this together. So any uh, direct needs that we offer, the reason we go through the church is so that then they can build relationship with that young uh, mom or dad. And not to save them, not to fix them, but to build relationship and, and have community with them um, and share the gospel with love, um, not with fixing. Our goal is not to fix these people. They're, we're all broken, right? Um, so working really close with the yeah. state um, to see what the actual needs are, I think has been something they have really appreciated instead of kind of just dropping off canned food or whatever at their office. Um, but building a relationship and again, bridging to other organizations. So if we're working with a church that says, we really want to mentor um, kids that have aged out, I can connect them with organizations in their area. So I'm like unfaulted, I'll throw out their name because they're awesome. Um, they mentor girls that have aged out specifically in the Tarrant County area. So I could connect them with unfaulted, um, with Christ Haven is also wow. in Tarrant County. Um, they help prevent kids from going into care by providing um, house parents and homes. Big thing right now is working with pregnancy centers. Um, we want to support those moms in that decision and making sure that the mom has someone to walk through the journey of choosing life. So um, 
try to work with pregnancy centers in every county that we're in um, just to build those good relationships because it's so hard to just Google, you know, pregnancy center in my area versus being able to call and, and us say, this is a good one. Like I meet with them. I pray with them. Um, this is, you can put your right. friends and times in with this. So we do a lot of kind of the background vetting um, to organizations in each county that we work in so that when we're partnering with those churches, we can help direct them. So uh, just a, a good resource, I think. We kind of do all the research <laughs> for them, um, which I think is helpful for our pastors. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, it's just amazing to me that there's so many people, and I mean, I was one of them until I found out about Hope Local and everything you guys do, but just so unaware of all the ways that we can help besides fostering and adopting. And I love even the proactive care that you mentioned, just coming around families who are at risk of losing their children and coming at it from the approach of, I'm not trying to fix you. We're, we just want to love you. How can we help you? How can we support? And that is really cool because I feel like the foster care system has just gotten such a bad rap and it's all about like fixing the problem, fixing the kids and all of that. And it's just so not the heart that you guys have. And it's something that I just wish the, t- the church would talk about Option more. Adoption is not the answer. Um, kids not being removed is the answer. Healthy families is the answer. And it takes the church to do that. Yes, there's services. Yes, there's shelters, there's government assistance, but it's really community. Um, When we're having a hard day, being able to have someone come and bring us dinner or babysit every once in a while so we can have a break from parenting. Um, These are the, the things. Adoption is beautiful when that is the only option for the child, when, when just get going back to their original family is, is not an option Um, adoption is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Um, I love adoption days, but really that's like worst case scenario for these kids. Best case is to be with a healthy mom Mm. and dad and to break some generational curses and to um, start the family into a route of healthy, um, just a healthy future. And that's the goal. Um, but we do need foster parents when kids are removed and we do need adoptive parents when kids can't go home, but, um, it's not really the goal. We're, we're not the saviors. Jesus is the savior. Um, we're not the rescuers. Um, we're just there to be obedient and to love his people. That is so good. So if somebody were interested in learning more about how foster care works or taking steps to start that process, what would that look like? Yeah, they could definitely go to our website, hopelocal.com, and there's a button that says schedule a meeting, and you could just set up a meeting. So much of this is done really well in conversation um, to kind of figure out what direction you're wanting to go. Um, You know, are you wanting to bring kids in? Um, Explaining what that is, a lot of people, you have to be licensed with the state to bring a child into your home. And we partner with some amazing agencies that license families. Um, Are you just wanting to mentor? Are you wanting to start a ministry at your church? 
working through the church, we feel is like one of the best avenues. You know, if Mark and I and our small staff um, try to do all this, we just can't do it. Um, but if all the churches in this area do it and they're consistently serving and recruiting and supporting, man, the ripple effect is going to be amazing. That's amazing. And I've heard you guys talk about too, as far as numbers go, um, could you maybe touch on that? Just what are we looking at here? Maybe I know it's going to be different for everybody who's listening, depending on where they're listening from, but in Texas, what does that look like? Number of children in need versus the church's ability to actually make an impact. Yeah, typically it's like double. There's around 14,000-ish kids in Texas in care and around like 30,000 churches. So yeah, the number of churches is definitely more than the number of kids that are in care. And I would guess probably even the number of families that are at risk of losing their children. Obviously, that number is much harder to pinpoint until the state is involved. But yeah, there's more than enough Christians um, to care for the vulnerable. Yep. Yeah, that's so good. And I think truly for me, learning about this issue gave me so much perspective and brought it really close to home and really simplified the steps that I can take to actually make a difference. And so I just love what you guys are doing. And I'm so grateful for the ways that you guys are equipping the church to serve and to support and love these children and their families. So thank you so much for what you do. Um, is there anything else that you would want to say to people about foster care or any of this before we close? Uh, well, thank you for having me on your podcast. Uh, just this is a way to serve, right? Like helping bring awareness to your circle. So I'm really thankful for that. I want people to know, just get involved. Like, Find the way that you feel like fits in this season of life and uh, just get involved. It will change your life for sure. This is kind of a side note, but I got an email yesterday from a lady at a church and she said, oh my gosh, I've been going to church for years. Um, she's an older woman. I mean, as am I, but older than me. And um, she said, I, because of getting to meet a need with a, a mom of a baby that is at risk of her child being removed, she was able to like share the love of Jesus. And she said, the saddest part of everything was that the mom had never really heard that before, which we don't think about in Texas, right? Um, so just getting, yeah, so just getting involved, opening up your boundaries, boundaries are great, um, but they should not be barriers. Opening yourself up to people that are different than you, that look different, that think different, make different choices. Um, it's good for your walk with the Lord and um, it's good for you as well as the families that are struggling. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Well, Truly, I cannot thank you and Mark and Hope Local enough for what you do. Thank you for your time and your story and for being here with us today. It's been so amazing. And I hope that you guys listening too have learned something new and have discovered some action steps that you can take. So Chelsea, before we go, I know you mentioned the website, but where can everybody connect and learn more and get involved right where they're at? 
Um, yeah, you can also go to our social media um, pages and follow them. We're on Facebook and Instagram. I haven't stepped into the TikTok realm yet, but I think that would be really fun. Um, you can always email me, Chelsea, at hopelocal.com. We love just walking the journey with people to see how they can get into this. So, but yeah, definitely follow us. We have some amazing adoption stories, some amazing um, reunification stories, and uh, just pray for us. Give um, is another way. Um, being able to hire more staff will help us expand into more counties. Um, right now, our region is broken into seven counties. It'll be nine counties by 2023, as far as like child welfare counties. And um, we need more staff, and we can't do that without our monthly supporters. So just a little plug. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again for your time. You guys definitely need to go and check out Hope Local. Get involved where you can. It really does make a difference. Thank you so much, Chelsea. This has been so, so good. Thanks, Hannah. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to tune into another episode of the Byword Show. I love having you here and I'm so thankful for your support. Don't forget to share a screenshot of this episode to let me know you were here. I can't wait to talk again soon, but in the meantime, be sure to come hang out with me on Instagram and remember, I am cheering you on.